0: this is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Coveyello, founder of the Drop-in CEO, and I am going to thank you for joining us on another episode of the podcast where I get to speak to amazing leaders and share their insights with you as well as inspire you. And I know you're going to like this episode, but we can only get bigger and greater if you share this with others. Subscribe, rate, and review so we can continue to bring you amazing programming. And just know I am here to help the C-Suite reader of today or tomorrow navigate your challenges with confidence because I just want you to spend more time doing the things you love to do. And today, it is my pleasure. And I was introduced to this amazing person, Ryan Kramer, who is called the Zen master to Digital Marketers by Forbes and Bright is a renowned business strategist, global keynote speaker, executive trainer and coach, two-time best-selling author and a Forbes contributor and he is also the CEO of H2H Companies, an executive coaching company and co-owner of Pure Matter, a Silicon Valley marketing agency founded in 2001 which earned a spot as one of the fastest growing companies by the Silicon Valley Business Journal. That was a mouthful, so much to get into. Brian, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I'm happy to be here.
0: So Brian, you have so much I want to dig into. I'm excited that we were introduced. We were just talking about Mitko that brought you to me. There are so many synergies about what we do. After all, we are trying to help businesses realize rapid growth, realize the potential they have, but also the leaders of tomorrow who are going to own those fast moving companies. But I got to ask you, Zen Master, where and how did you get that name, Zen Master to digital marketers? I know Forbes gave it to you, but what did they mean?
1: I wish I could tell you. Hopefully the rest of the interview, I'll have an answer for you. They just literally wrote it into an article and called me the Zen Master to digital marketers inside of an article that was about human to human, which is after the the book and the speaking and TED talk and everything that I did. So a lot of it really just came from that one Forbes writer that just said, Hey, here's who he is. And I was just so honored to have that, that in the that article.
0: So it's really interesting. And I bring that up because sometimes the world sees you in a certain way and just gives you a tagline. They see you as that. And then all of a sudden it's like, I guess I am the Zen master. And the same thing with the drop-in CEO brand. I just said drop-in CEO when I was trying to describe what was it that I did. And everybody around me says, oh, my God, that's brilliant, Deb. I get it. I see it. I understand it. The Zen master, you get a feeling of what that brand is, the value that you bring. And my message to anybody listening right now is if somebody said, you are the doctor of such and such, or you're the jackhammer of that, listen, because that becomes who you are. You don't necessarily create your own brand but what the world says to you is how they see you. And that is so powerful. You and marketing should know that.
1: (laughs) I love your perspective on that. Others see us in the way we see ourselves is sometimes out of misalignment and bringing that together and creating something together, co-creating what that is, is really unique and fun. So I absolutely, absolutely agree with what you just said.
0: We're going to dig into so many topics, but for my listeners here, he is so full of amazing insights when it comes to entrepreneurship, leadership, building incredible teams. So we're going to dig into his backstory a little bit, but just listen to all the nuggets of wisdom that are going to come with. But I got to go there, Brian. One of the things that you talk about is you do have a very interesting backstory. And I would just love for you to share a bit about that with our audience.
1: Sure. I'm more than happy to. And I hope that this helps someone or or anyone that's listening to see you know, that anything is possible anywhere in your life, as I didn't know at the time what was possible, but now do. And what happened is I had been at that time, an agency marketing agency owner here in San Jose, California. And we were on the outside looking in, doing very well. We had worked with some really great companies. It took us 20 years to get there. But by the time we were at 20 years, we were working with some big brands like IBM and Cisco and Netflix and MasterCard and list goes on of some really good name brands. At the same time, I had written Human to Human and Shareology and had given a a TED Talk, which put me on the road 200 days a year. Speaking. So I was running the agency. My wife and I co-owned the agency. We were, as I mentioned, the agency was doing well. However, that travel and running the agency, it absolutely burned me out. I hit the ultimate burnout mode I've ever hit in my life. One day, I was actually home in between travel after a couple of years of doing this, and my son, who was eleven at the time, said, "Dad, I really want to talk to you." And I. Said, of course. And he took me by the hand up to his bedroom and sat me down for a deep talk. I didn't know what was coming. I just thought this was really sweet of him. And maybe we're going to talk about some gift or toy that he wanted. But he actually did want that in a different light. What he wanted was me. He said to me that day, Dad, we never see you. You're never home. You are very overweight. And he's right. I had eaten my way through every country. That's because the food was so good. He said, you have diabetes, which he's right. I got that two weeks before he was sitting there talking to me and I was just unhealthy. And he said, you're not at our school functions at my sister's stuff or my stuff or sports or anything like that. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is the worst. This is not what I'm about. And then at that point, he he just said, and I don't think you're going to meet your grandchildren at this rate, my kids. And that was it. I just died. I was sitting there in tears. He just said, I really want you back. And, and I knew that that was the moment that I needed to change everything. I was on a plane the next day to another keynote and I got through it in between just being devastated from what I just learned and came back and I told my wife, I'm done. Not with her. We're still married, but everything else is something I needed to let go of. And so I did, and we did, and she agreed. And so over the course of the next six months, we exited the form of our life. I took a year off. We exited the agency, and rebuilt an entirely new rule set and life around everything. And then over the ne- that following year, I lost 85 pounds, lost diabetes and created an entirely different relationship with my children where I picked them up and dropped them off at school every day and never missed a day again. And it just was the most, the biggest gift in my life of being able to see that everything that I was trying to achieve was sitting right in front of me.
0: Okay. So let's take a pause there. So important. And thank you for sharing that backstory. Now, it's so interesting. So many people have those acute events, those life-changing things, actually falling ill or something, maybe a loved one passing away. And it's not a good thing when an acute event happens that forces us to make a change. But you got a warning shot, (laughs) gratefully from a family member that sincerely cared about you. But saying you're going to make a change and actually making a change often is what holds people back. And I wanted to know a little bit what guiding principles, rules, non-negotiables did you firmly adopt in order to move forward with a different
1: lifestyle? The biggest thing is that I wasn't in a place to do that. I had to step back and step away. I had to create a space that allowed me to see what that was. The simplicity of what the rules and the the guides are is, is just saying no. But I wasn't in a place to say no. Uh, so I had to take a step back in order to see what it was that I wanted and how I was going to do it. And to do that, I had to make a radical shift. I had to go back five steps or 10 steps and cut almost everything out of my life and just then be able to take time. I needed time back. I needed my hair back. I needed my auction mask to be put on me first before everybody else. And I had to take that and then be able to see and, and say what I wanted to answer your question, and which was then way more apparent to me, which is that I just needed to be home, whatever it was that I did moving forward, that I needed to not work 80 hours a week that I didn't want to be on planes or go through x-ray lines anymore. And so all of those became non-negotiables. Yes, I still speak, but when I speak, it's once a month to two times a month and that's it. And it's only during speaking season, not all year long. So now I've minimized that and I have Created no's through doubling and tripling my fees so that I knew that that was going to be a hard no. But at the end of the day, my time is worth more than what it was worth to ruin my life and have to get through all that. So all that came to me really out of just taking a step back and, and taking a big, deep breath of air.
0: So important. And I think the thing that I take away from this, and I do share with my listeners so often one, you have to create that space. I too, I left a company. I was transitioned out of a company, but it gave me two, three months of just being, <laughs> reading, walking, listening, cooking, <laughs> whatever it was, without all of that noise to just start seeing and feeling this is what I'm meant to do. And how do I want to do it? Hence, <laughs> the drop in CEO and my company, Illumination Partners, came out of that pause. But at the The other thing I find a lot of leaders, successful leaders and up and coming is they also miss good decision logic because they're not grounded in those values, those non-negotiables for which when a challenge comes along, an opportunity. I could make so much more money doing this, but (laughs) what then does it violate and am I willing to go over that? yes or no. And until you have those strong values, in addition to where you want to go, who you want to be, you're not going to be able to move forward. And I know that's probably around a lot of your executive coaching, but I'm going to jump all over the place. I'm a little ADD today, so hopefully you go with me. Tell me about H2H. How did you come up with that name? What's the essence behind that
1: company? We're talking about H2H or human or how to humanize things since we started the agency. So it wasn't new. It was how do we... When we did a website or we did a rebrand or we we were working on somebody's UI or a demand gen campaign or anything, it was all about the customer being on the other side and, and the individual and who we were talking to, which is a normal marketing thing to say. But how do we actually get to conversation and to relationship because relationship is really at the center of what this is all about in life and business and everything that we do. And so human to human became the the thing that we used to, to really grab onto at the agency is everything that leads to that. How are we going to create something that leads to that relationship? And so one day I was speaking at Bloomberg West in San Francisco Right time, right place, right executives, a lot of CMOs, a lot of social media marketers. Social media was just on the scene. And it hit right at the same time when we all had this real big epiphany that brands, which is now table stakes, but at that time, brands did not no longer have a one-way voice. Now all of a sudden, customers could get onto social media and say whatever they wanted, which is still a challenge and they're still trying to find their footing on so it hasn't gone away. It's just gotten a little bit more understandable. So when I said it that day and I had it up on the screen inside of a presentation, in the middle of the presentation, the MC had me go back a screen after I went to the next screen. I did. And a lot of people then said, wow, that really resonates loudly and took pictures. And in that next 24 hours, it got over 24 million impressions, way over 500 blogs and and seven languages. I just had so much coming at me that... We took everything and we saw a friend of mine the next day He said, you started something here. You should probably really answer everybody and say, here's what this means. And we did. So we took five days and my wife helped me stitch together. And the two of us worked really hard to stitch together a book and actually self-publish it within five days. It became an international bestseller. And so from there, it just really escalated. But I think the reason it resonated is one, I'd been working on my personal brand for the previous two years. So it wasn't as if I just started on the scene. And number two is that it was something that hit really hard at the time when we all needed it. It surprised me. I really didn't think it would last this long, but it's still making Inkless and Fast Company and all these really great magazines. And the reason I think so is because we keep getting farther away from human-to-human relationships with AI now on the scene and augmented reality and virtual reality and all of these things that are pulling us apart instead of pulling us together. So that's where it started and that's where it went.
0: You may be in marketing, sales definitely understands it's all about a transaction, but I moved away from that even when I was starting my business. I'm an entrepreneur for about four or five years now and it was all about getting the next thing on the calendar and always about a transaction, always about a next step and that's what the gurus were telling me (laughs) and that didn't take me anywhere (laughs) because then you'd have these meetings and it's just a bunch of activity But I found when I slowed down a little bit and really started to find the synergies and the relationships and yeah, you wanna try to be in service to each other no one to walk away when there isn't anything there but also what can i do to help you advice to people who are starting a new job a new position (laughs) have one-on-ones with everybody go to the floor go to the c-suite meet everybody get to know everybody understand who they are what their family is all about because so often in business we are thrown into customer service provider boom let's do a transaction let's create this thing when you pass the relationship part Let's get to know that person, the essence of what makes them tick. You get that so that when you come together and do that purposeful work, it's so much easier.
1: Yeah. You know, you're so dead on. I feel like you're my sister from another mother. The transactional versus relational is really the big difference that you, of everything that you just said, which is what I love about All of that. And if I were starting at a, to your point or your example there, and I was starting out and I was trying to really make sure that it became a relational or relationship driven organization or just myself and how I was going to create and start, it would be through. And I know this sounds so like, yeah, of course, but it's listening. It's not talking, it's getting in and listening. There's three levels of listening. So it's the third level of listening that's really gonna get you deeper into a relationship. The first level is when you're talking or somebody's talking to you and you're not really listening if you're from the East Coast, my dad is from the East Coast. My dad has a lot of that. You may see this in New York quite a bit. Sorry, New Yorkers, but I'm from Jersey, a close cousin. So <laughs> there you go. So if you go into my house on the holidays, you're going to see a lot of this where everybody's talking over each other. That's the level one listening where you're listening, but also, you know, talking at the same time or thinking at the same time, you're not truly engaged. Number two is when you're listening, and but you're thinking about the next thing that you're going to say. And that's not completely listening, but it's a really big step forward. Because of course, in things like podcasting, you have to think about the next thing you want to say. Or if you're in a meeting and you're trying to brainstorm or you're trying to come up with whatever it is that you're meeting around, of course, you're going to have to think about that. So there's time and a place for number two. And number three is where you have no idea what you're going to say next and you're not really thinking about that. You're just locked in on the person that's talking and you're just being there. You're just being present with what the other person is saying and knowing that when it's time for you to talk, that you will know what to say because it's just going to come to you and it's going to channel through you or whatever you do. Two and three are great ways to be. And you just have to understand when it's the right time to be a two and when it's the right time to be a three. So there's nothing wrong with either of them. Just get away from one. One is the thing that distracts us from everything that we do in our businesses. And if you can get to that level three with a person, that's where the deep relationship happens. That's where you start to really understand the other person.
0: So what's so cool and timely about what you shared is just prior to us getting on here, I was meeting with a colleague that we've known for a while. She's been a speaker at one of my events, but I see her struggling, really bringing forward her brand. She's got a great tagline, but it doesn't resonate with her talking points. And I'm just listening to her. We had no agenda. We had no thing that we were going to talk about. And she's talking and talking. I'm just listening. And the next thing I know just stuff comes out of my mouth. And said, do you realize you've got this great brand, but somebody is coaching you on who do I serve and the problem I solve and your ABC talking points as part of your elevator pitch. I said, you got so disconnected from the personal brand. I said, you need to start with the personal brand and use language that links to that stuff. And she was taking copious notes. I says, You're missing something. And with that, all of a sudden, we brainstorm. We're going to do a LinkedIn Live. I'm going to interview her so people really see the essence of who she is. And ultimately, maybe it'll bring more business to her. That is what happens, to your point, with a level three. Just being and listening, and you never know what's going to happen. Good, bad, or indifferent. (laughs) I'm interrupting this episode to offer an absolutely free networking and educational opportunity I have created, and I want you to be there. If you're a mid level manager that loves your team and has a desire to accelerate your leadership growth, it is possible for you to become that executive leader in the next 24 months. Regardless of your area of specialty, and I know so many of you are talented, you have what it takes to be on the front line, collaborate with others, and get the job done. However, let me show you how to leverage that specialized knowledge to create solid connections with other leaders while shifting your focus. From day-to-day leadership skills to long-term CEO strategy, head over to my website, dropinceo.com and click on the Drop-In CEO Collective to register for your next meeting. Now, back to the conversation. But I would love to just go a little bit now into the work you do, and because I think that's really what I want. C-suite leaders of today or tomorrow to understand you are an executive coaching company. And I'm really curious about when you show up for a prospective client or they find you, what challenges are they happening? Are there particular trends that you see that these leaders are here and you need to bring them there? What do you see and how do you help them?
1: That's an interesting one. I think, well, it's all across the board, but, a lot of it comes down to what we learned out of the pandemic and struggling with what we had and not not letting it go and slowing down. There's a lot of slowdown. And I think that we underestimate and we underassume what being content actually means because we're in this hustle culture of having to strive and be better and do better and create more and be more and the next thing and what's how are we going to be to create that thing that's needed and it's just so much pressure instead of being content with what's right in front of us there's a lot that's been learned from just that and the other thing I think is how we then looking at ourselves and saying what kind of leader do I want to be moving forward? What's the leadership style that I want to have, and especially in this remote-driven culture? Remote has changed all of our lives, or at least most everybody's life, and so it's gotten to the point where we have to figure out what that new style is, and the the style of you know over too much or or not enough. How do I want to be with my team so that I can create? you know, a path moving forward without being in their lives every day and trusting them to do the right thing and being with them in the right way. So these are the two things I'm seeing the most. And it's a trickle down effect to lots of other things that's happening. But those two are, I would say, the pillars of what we have to work on.
0: It's so interesting when you talk about being content, it's a different state of being. I talk about in my work in the CEO's compass that so often leaders are just looking for results and you will whip people to get those results. And often if you don't prepare the people, develop the people, build their competencies and capability, you'll get results one quarter and the next quarter you don't. And then it's that grind, hamster wheel, hustle again to get results. I say the mindset shift needs to be peace of mind. And peace of mind is really hard to put a number on, but it is that moment when you can step back and look at your leadership team and they understand the purpose and they got all the skills they need, you remove all the barriers and they start performing. And you see that, and they're interacting with your customers and your customers have confidence. A leader can achieve peace of mind, similar, a close cousin to I think being content. Content, just being content versus that hustle and that grind because you're working on the right things, developing your team. But I do have a question. Content versus hustle. You got to get results. Sometimes the weight of the world is on you. You've got to get results. You've got stakeholders, et cetera. How do you balance, though, that pressure
1: of there are results that you have to get and still being content? The thing that we have to get better at is asking for help. If we're doing too much, if we're getting above content, then that means that we're starting to take on too much. Now life harmony or whatever you want to call it is getting in the way and we're taking on more than we need to. So how do we ask for help? How do we put in the guidelines or the borders of what we can and can't do or what we're willing to do so that we can actually then go ask for help for the other things that we need? to do. And sometimes people use the excuse of money or they use the excuse of what's not possible or we've tried that before. If I don't do it myself, it'll never get done. I mean, there's all these different excuses and we need to get into the habit of reframing everything that we're approaching and reframing what's possible and reframing it in a positive way so that we can see the perspective that we're not seeing, obviously, because we're right in the middle of it. We can't see who can help us and how we can get it done and what's possible and and what can really happen when we put our minds to it. And all the people that are around us in the village that are ready to support us, we're just not ready to ask for it.
0: And that's why you need a person like Brian to help you see what is versus what is not. One person actually was a personal trainer I had a number of years ago. And I think I was talking about being a little scared about giving a particular presentation. And I don't know if he stole it from somebody, but he said at the right time, he said, Deb, what matter does it make? You might actually be successful. And when you flip our mind around saying you might actually be really good at this versus dwelling into like, what are you not? <laughs> and I think people just hold on to these things so much. I mean, I keep telling in some of my talking points, you have to get rid of the N apostrophe T, the unt. I'm not, I can't, I won't, I've never versus frame it in a positive way. Well, I didn't know how to do that job before, but I was resilient. I figured it out. So based on past performance, I believe I will be able to be a quick learner and be able to do X. It's just sometimes we need a person like you, Brian, or somebody like the drop-in CEO to just say, guys, gals, (laughs) you need to look at it differently. You might actually be successful. So what does it take to get there? You and I are so on the same page, so that's why I'm glad that I brought you on the show. Now, I want to go into one other topic. It's actually a sore point for me, but I want to get your ideas around it. You have a great speaking topic around imposter syndrome, fear, co-leadership, changing perspectives and such. I don't like imposter syndrome. It's one of those things like we assume that narrative. I've got imposter syndrome. Therefore, I cannot do such and such. And how do we even get to that place? I just want to get people out of that. Like, forget what brought you there in the past. This is you now. You have all the talent and the resources around you. You can do this now. But I would just love to know how do you address this? What are some key points about this that our listeners can learn from?
1: there's kind of a healthy level to what you're saying in terms of having, it's all fear. So it's, everything is fear-based. I and mean, there's a healthy level of fear and there's an unhealthy level of fear. Right before you go on stage to speak, that's a healthy level of fear unless you're going to not make it on stage. Maybe that's an unhealthy level. Do you still have fear? I do. And I celebrate it now. I embrace it. It's exhilarating now to have it because it means we care. And if we didn't have it, we wouldn't do as well on stage. I think that's what gives you the edge that you really need in order to do well. The biggest thing that creates that level of fear that you're talking about, and I feel the same way about imposter syndrome, is we use it as a crutch. However, it's real and there is a reality to it and that's the saboteur. The saboteur is the voice that's sitting on your shoulder that's if you want to go with the devil, and angel, or you want to in whatever negative voice you have. We all have it and that voice is the louder voice of the two. It actually creates more distance between what you believe is going to happen and what could happen and what the ants are that you just talked about. They can't, shouldn't, wouldn't and all that stuff. And so I think it's really coming down to the voice and you can't shut a voice up. You can't tell it to be quiet. You can't tell it to do something because it just gets louder. And the only way that you can do something with that is to a start to take a step back, take the space, take the oxygen and really just like breathe it in and understand where you're at and just take a moment for yourself. And number two is just tell it to take a seat. You don't need it right now. It's okay. I'm going to be okay. And you can go take a seat. Sometimes it's even good to name it. Like mine is Lowell, LOL. I think it's good to channel a name and actually name it because now all of a sudden, something that's named is even easier to have take a seat and go away because Lowell can go take a seat anytime that I want him to if I just do that. And over time, he subsides more and more and more and more. He's not gone, but he's just not present all the time. That's the healthy level that I'm talking about. So at the end of the day, if we can take our saboteur, and maybe there's more than one, not that I'm calling everybody schizophrenic, but if we can actually take these moments and just tell them to take a seat, and then call forward a team member that is going to give you what you need to succeed. The team member of organization, the team member of productivity, the team member of finance or the team member of whatever it is that you want to draw from, or just being yourself, whatever that team member is, call on that and do it five times. Tell yourself five times from that team member because for every five times you tell yourself something, it actually negates the, the saboteur. So that's the process that I go through. I go through with my clients. I can spot it and see it when it comes up. And usually I'm sure you can too, when it becomes a pattern in our language and the saboteur is coming through our voice outward and all of a sudden we are speaking the saboteur into the world. We want to nip that in the bud and take it away.
0: And that was probably the best soundbite of this entire interview, but it is so full of amazing insights. Brian, I so enjoyed this conversation. I really appreciate the fact that we are so aligned on these things that you and I are just trying to help people unleash the potential, leverage the people around us. Be content, have strong values to make those decisions, to be content with who you are and the work around, and elevating the other people. So I would love to give you the floor one last time if there's any last points or things you would like to share with both of
1: our communities. Oh, you know, thank you. First and foremost, I love the way that you just are with another human and more so here with me. it's just been an absolute pleasure. I would say that if I left everybody with one thing, it's if you just remember anything, out of everything that we talked about, it'd be this, that being human is your competitive advantage. That right now with everything that's going on, all you need to do to stand out is actually be more human. There are so many automations and bots and AI and augmented reality and you name it chat GPT. I mean, there's so much that's coming at us that really, if you just took a moment and actually just thought, how can I be more human in the midst of all of this? You will stand out.
0: Beautiful advice. I am so
1: grateful we were introduced. Thank you
0: so much. And With that, this brings us to a close of another episode of the Drop-In CEO Podcast. If you like this episode, please check out our others. I also do solos. And if I can be of service to you, we also have the Drop-In CEO Collective. Direct message me on LinkedIn. Would love to bring you in and be able to meet you and see if we can help you be successful. Brian, it is a pleasure. Wish you continued success and be well. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this episode valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who would find it useful and inspiring. Your support allows me to keep sharing insights and inspiration to leaders who are working their way to the C-suite. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.